We are one church. We love God, love people, love his mission and love his church. Welcome to the One Church Podcast. Hello and welcome to the One Church Podcast. Wherever you are listening from, I believe that the next 30 minutes are going to be a blessing and an encouragement to you. In Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. My prayer for you today is that as you grow in trust and submit your lives to God, that he would make your path straight. We've got a cracking message from Pastor Susan, recorded at our Odeby site on Sunday the 16th of April. As you listen, may God speak to you in a new way. Last week we had a great Easter weekend, didn't we, across all our sites. It was wonderful to hear the news of how people had found Jesus, the gospel was preached, the risen Jesus was in the room in every site. I gather here you had an amazing Easter egg hunt, which sounded very exciting. But just thinking about the crucifixion and about Jesus and his death and resurrection, I was very struck reading this week just one phrase where it says, Jesus breathed his last <laughs> And he declared, it is finished. And I thought, how amazing that Jesus breathed his last breath on this earth, his last breath of earthly air, if you like. And then the next breath he breathes, he breathes out, it's finished. The next breath, as he commits his spirit to his father, is in the atmosphere of heaven. And back with his heavenly father, in the place where he belongs. And the place where everything is done, where sin and death are defeated, where there's nothing more to accomplish, it is finished. And it says he rested. He rested on the Sabbath. So on the Saturday, he, he, he rested like all the Jews on that day. Nothing more to accomplish. And then Jesus rose up on that Easter Sunday morning. His body breathed the earthly air again <laughs> for just for a little while. And on Sunday morning, he's met in the garden. All those, those um, things we talked about last week. He meets two disciples on the road. And that evening, he shows himself to his closest friends as a group in a locked room. And we're going to read about that today. And we're going to talk about resurrection breakthrough this week. Are you ready for that? So here we go. This is from John chapter 20. We're going to just see how Jesus broke in, how he broke through and how he broke out in that room. So Father, help us as we look at your word right now. Lord, we pray that you would change us. Lord, thank you that your word is not just for information. Lord, it is for transformation. Lord, it is to transform us, to change us. And Lord, we come to your word to be changed today. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we go, John chapter 20, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. That Sunday evening, in other words, the day of Jesus' resurrection, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So first we see here that Jesus breaks in. He breaks in to this room. The disciples were meeting, it says here, behind locked doors afraid of the Jewish leaders, and suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. 
Now, David and I were having a chat in the car. Do we think that Jesus walked through the wall in his resurrection body? Very possibly, or supernaturally through the door in some way. But suddenly it says Jesus was standing there among them. He came through the shut door, if you like. So the disciples were here in this room. They were sticking together on this night. Probably it was the same room where Jesus had shared just a few days before the Passover meal with his friends. But now Jesus himself is not here, not until he comes into the room. He's gone, he's been taken, he's been arrested, crucified, dead. All is dark and uncertain. And they're not really sure maybe what to make of what happened that morning, what to believe. So they've locked the doors. This is a natural human response, isn't it? If things are a bit confusing, we're not quite sure what's happening To protect ourselves, we lock down or we lock the doors, if you like. But Jesus breaks in. Can I just say to you today, let the living Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, break in through the walls, if you like, of your life today. They had fearful hearts. Probably, as it says here, they are afraid that the Jewish leaders may come for them. Now they've come for Jesus. Now they're going to come after his followers. They're fearful of what might happen in the future with their leader, not with them. Maybe trying to remember his words. I can imagine them talking to each other and saying things like, well, just a few days ago, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Trust in God. Trust also in me. I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you. And they're saying to each other, well, it's all very well, but actually we do feel afraid right now because they were. But let's face the facts. And I wonder if maybe somebody here has a fearful heart. If you have a fearful heart today, let the resurrected living Jesus break into your life today, break into you. And Jesus breaks in. It says, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. So suddenly things change. Suddenly Jesus is there in the midst. He's in the middle of that room among them. A man who was clearly dead for three days. That same man has conquered death and is now alive. And this same man is somehow also different and yet recognizable. God didn't simply do away with Jesus' old body and give him a new one. He didn't suddenly appear in this room like a a heavenly angel sort of thing, all shining. Instead, his pierced body was raised to life, renewed. His broken bones were restored, mended. He was clothed with immortality, unlimited, more glorious. So it was the same Jesus, the same body, and yet somehow a new resurrection body. A foretaste of our future resurrection. This is a great hope for us, for the future. At the end of all things, if we're in Christ, just to summarize a tiny bit of 1 Corinthians 15, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead, the body that's sown is perishable, it's raised imperishable, it's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory, it's sown in weakness, it's raised in power, it's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. That is amazing. But um, we have some friends called Liz and Mike. And they're, they're part, Liz is part of our leadership team for the AOG for the Central East area. And just recently, Mike's had a very harsh diagnosis over his life that really, a very great shock that he only has maybe a few weeks to live. And yet, Liz says Mike is full of incredible peace. You know why? Because he knows that his Redeemer lives. He knows that this life is actually temporary but eternity awaits. 
And in his real resurrection body here, Jesus breaks into where the disciples are. Do you know, he doesn't speak to them from a distance. I think it's amazing that Jesus didn't just send his presence somehow into that room. He came in person. He came in his real resurrected body and he stood with them. He comes close because that is what Jesus always does. He will always come close to us if we're just open. Can I say, let the living, resurrected Jesus break into your life today. I want him to break into my life in a whole new way. Do you know, I'm longing today to say, break into my room. Break into where I am. Break into this room here. He's already here, but he can be here in a whole new way. Because no wall, it says here, really, this is what Jesus is saying. No wall is too hard for me to break through. So Jesus breaks in, but he also breaks through. Jesus breaks through. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Jesus has got more than just the physical wall to break through, to get to his friends, if you like, because there are also walls around their hearts. These disciples are anxious. They don't know what the future holds. Maybe they're doubting. Maybe they are hurting. Maybe they're feeling shame because of the events and how they all ran away. And, but as they recognize Jesus, he brings them peace, he brings them hope, and he brings them joy. Because Jesus breaks through every wall, even the walls that we might put up around our hearts. He brings them new peace. Peace be with you, he said. This is Jesus' first words to them on this day. Shalom Aleichem. I hope I've said that right. The standard Jewish greeting. Peace be upon you. Basically, well-being in every way. How lovely that Jesus didn't say, why did you run away? Why did you abandon me? Why did you deny me? Why are you doubting me now? He didn't say those things. He doesn't condemn them. He blesses them with what they most need. New peace. Whole well-being. What's troubling you today? Let the living Jesus give you his supernatural peace today. Whatever we need, the resurrected Jesus breaks through what is in our hearts to bring it to us. And with this new peace comes new hope, new joy, and a new purpose. So new hope comes. We have our projects in Kenya that we link with in Nairobi, just on the edge of Makuru slum, and, and we get the reports through from them every month, from Tabitha, who leads our projects out there. And just this last week, I was reading about the new batch of Dorcas Project students. Now, Dorcas Project is a project that we run with them out there, where we help women who wouldn't otherwise be able to have a job because their education levels are very low. They've had to leave school because they couldn't afford the school fees. And they get trained in dressmaking skills over six months. They have a graduation and then they're given a sewing machine and they're giving fabric and set up in a new business and helped. And this is a story that caught my eye. There was a little, there was little photos of the 10 who've been interviewed and chosen out of all that applied for the next course. And one of the new students is called Margaret. It says she finished her fourth form last year and her parents have not been able to take her to any college due to lack of college fees. Her life transformed this year on the 26th of January when she attended her friend's graduation day for the Dorcas Project. Now on that day, David was there because he was there for our friend Emmerdick's wedding. And it says she was touched by the sermon preached by Pastor David Hind and also the act of love she witnessed shown to 10 ladies who had lost their hope of ever attending colleges. After the sermon, she gave her life to Jesus and also registered to join the next program. 
On the interview day, she did really well and qualified to join the training. So far, she's doing well in the training and has high hopes. She plans to study hard, gain experience, and set up her own business or apply for a job in one of the textile industries. So hope is rising in Margaret's life. She has hope not just for this life. She has a new hope for this life. She also has a hope for eternal life. She's given her life to Jesus. You know, one of the deepest effects of Good Friday on the disciples must have been a crushing of hope. Remember the two on the road to Emmaus when Jesus walked with them on this very same evening. But we had hoped, they said, but we had hoped that Jesus would be the Messiah. We'd hoped that he would bring a new kingdom. And now he was dead. These disciples, they still needed to have their thinking changed about what nature of kingdom, what sort of kingdom it was that Jesus was bringing. And over the 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus will continue to prove to his friends and to others that he was really alive. It says in Acts 1, it says he appeared to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive over those 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And as the disciples are convinced that Jesus is risen from the dead, that he's alive, hope rises in their hearts. Hope rises. This is really Jesus. He's really here with us. And now we know that something new is happening here. Hope will keep them strong in the coming days. You know, if Jesus was really raised from the dead, then nothing is impossible. We can go out in his name. We can also live forever with him after our death. And at first, before this encounter, the disciples, they were fearful that they would maybe be killed. But we know, actually, after this, that many of them did go on to die for Jesus. So what changed? Why were they willing now to go and die for this Jesus? Why were they now unafraid? Because Jesus is now filling them with new hope. They have the real and living hope of the resurrection for themselves. And that is something that is available to you and me today. Whatever we have done, whoever we are, we can have this hope of the resurrection. And I would just say, let the living, resurrected Jesus give you real hope today. And Jesus also gives them new joy. So once they grasp the dawning of this hope, Jesus really is alive. Hope is opening up. Joy rises in their hearts. John says here, And he was one who was in the room. In this gospel, he says, they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Now, we have a dog called Cova. And the way that she shows joy is by wagging her tail. And sometimes she wags her tail. In fact, every morning, she'll come and see us when she thinks it's time to wake up. And she's wagging her tail. She's got a very strong tail. So she wags it along. And now, this last week, we were in a caravan with Tom and Philippa, with our three lovely granddaughters and the dog in one caravan. It was great fun and an action-packed week by the seaside, very windy. But on the first morning, Tom and Philippa said, what on earth was that banging on the wall? Why were you banging on our wall in the morning? And we said, well, it wasn't us, it was Cova's tail. (laughs) Because it was so small, you know, Cova's tail was banging and banging on on the wall. Now, apparently, I found out that when the Bible translators were creating the Inuit Bible, They found no word for the phrase here, filled with joy. There was no such word in their language. So they noticed the close relationship that they had with their dogs, with their husky dogs, and how they greeted each other. So the translation, literally, the translation in the Inuit Bible for this phrase is, the disciples wagged their tails when they saw the Lord. (laughs) Joy filled them. This is joy, which is not the same as happiness. 
Okay, the disciples are filled with joy. Two weeks ago, I listened to a message by a young man called Josh, who is in our Braunston site. And he spoke a message about happiness versus joy. And he said these things. He said, happiness is a roller coaster. Joy is constant. Happiness is based on circumstances and environment. Joy comes from Jesus. Happiness comes and goes, but joy can never be taken away. Jesus breaks into your life through every single wall to bring new joy today. If you're struggling to feel joy, you know, the disciples here, they were filled with joy. Despite circumstances, let him fill your heart with joy today. New peace, new hope, new joy, and it's meant to be experienced. Now, again, on our holiday this week, Philippa and I researched into a lovely country pub that was dog-friendly. We thought it looked lovely. We thought the photos looked great. We got everybody dressed up. It was our one family night out, like, meal for the week. We were very excited. We'd all, like, got ready. We were really hungry. And we arrive at this pub, and I think as soon as we drove in, <laughs> we realized this is not the sort of place that we necessarily want to come for a family meal. But we walked in, and we sat, and we had, had a Coke and, or orange juice or whatever, and then sheepishly, we just explained that we needed to go, and we walked out. <laughs> Because although we'd read the menu, we had no desire to taste the food. But we had a prophetic word last week in one of our prayer nights, our prayer and fasting nights before the Easter weekend, where somebody just brought a very simple word and they said, don't just read the menu, taste the food. And God's food is much nicer than that pub's food. Taste and see, Isaiah says, that the Lord is good. This hope, this joy, this peace, they have to be experienced. Jesus intends us to experience them, not just to read about them, but to experience them. This is why Jesus needed to be there in person. Not just that sense of hope or joy or peace, but him in his real resurrected living body there amongst, there with them. To taste and see that he's good. And we need that too. Okay, so Jesus breaks in through the wall, and he breaks through our fear. He breaks down every wall that we have around our hearts, and Jesus breaks through. He breaks through every barrier. This is resurrection breakthrough, but is it there just for the disciples' comfort? Is it there just so that we can sit in that room and enjoy the hope and the peace and the joy and keep safe until he comes back? No, because as always, Jesus turns the room outwards to those who are outside. Jesus breaks out. The disciples need to hear this commission to be sent. They couldn't just spend their lives imprisoned in this room because of fear. And neither can we. Jesus breaks out his plan, if you like, that we are to be a breakthrough people. And so we are. We've had some prophetic words in our prayer times recently about being a lidless people, a people without a lid. And Laura Bond, I was at Northsite the other week, and she brought a word because she's a Spanish teacher and she said that um, she understands that there's a time in Spanish history where they were freed from oppression and that time, that period they call in Spanish history, they actually call it the time of the lifting of the lid and she said this is the time that we're coming into as a church, as the time of the lifting of the lid and I want to prophesy that into this atmosphere today and say this is the time of the lifting of the lid, of the freedom from restriction and the lifting of all those things that are not the barriers that God puts around us, but the barriers that are created that are not of God. Jesus breaks out his plan. 
We're to be a breakthrough people. He says this. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he gives them a mandate. Again, he said, peace be with you. He said it twice. Maybe he's saying, well, perhaps you didn't get it the first time. I said, shalom to you. I said, peace to you. I'm saying it again. This time, really accept this. Accept this life as it was intended to be lived. Eternal life that starts now. And it's from that standpoint, in my peace, says Jesus, full of joy, full of love, full of hope that I'm sending you out. Out of experiencing me, you're going to carry my presence out into the world. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Because you see, that's what Jesus did, isn't it? You know, if we think about him breathing the, the air of heaven, he came and he brought that heavenly kingdom to the earth. And now he's saying, just as the Father sent me, so am I sending you. It's actually a very, very deep phrase. If you have a think about that this week. Another aspect of their thinking is being transformed. This is the birth of a new era. And they are to pave the way. They're to carry his kingdom rule. And we are as well. I'm sure the disciples maybe cast their minds back and remembered at this point, Jesus sending them out to the towns and the villages where he sent them out to preach the gospel, to heal the sick and so on. At that point, they were coming under Jesus' anointing, as it were. But now Jesus is saying, you're going to carry your own anointing. You're going to be filled with the Spirit yourselves, and you're going to go out and take me to those places. He actually breathes on them. I bet Jesus' breath was so sweet. He breathed on them. Yesterday, I was speaking at a woman's breakfast in one of the city churches, and um, I suddenly realized I was going to definitely be praying for people. We were going to have some ministry time. And I thought, oh, I haven't got any chewing gum or mints. And we'd had, I think, pesto pasta the night before. And I was thinking, oh, dear. That's always a rule, by the way. If you're praying for people, make sure you have some mints or chewing gum because it's, it's a really good idea. And so I just said to the lady, she said, is there anything I can get for you? I said, I wouldn't mind if, has anybody got any chewing gum? Or, and then now that, so they got me some chewing gum. And then they said, do you know, we used to know this, this man in our church. And um, he would always pray for people. And she said, and they said he had such bad breath that, when people got anywhere near him, they would fall over, pretend to fall over. <laughs> and uh, they said, people used to think, he used to think he had a great anointing, but actually it was people didn't like his bad breath. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sure Jesus' breath was very sweet. As the Father has sent me, I send you. So we're also to be sent as Jesus was sent, to breathe. I think this is significant. He says, as the Father sent me, I send you. And then it says he breathed on them. Whatever he follows that phrase with, I'm sending you in this way, surely that is like a sign of this is how we are to operate, if you like. So he's saying, this is what you're doing. I'm going to breathe on you, and you're going to literally breathe me out into all the places that you go to. And I wonder, could we ask the resurrected Jesus to breathe on us again today? Are you going to say to him in your heart, breathe on me again today? And this sending is all about relationship. It says, this is to be as the Father sent me. So what will the disciples have remembered of Jesus and how he did his ministry? All out of his relationship with his heavenly father. Yeah, getting up early, creating that history with his father. And he says, I send you like this. And we also are to be the sent ones like Jesus. Out of that same relationship with our Abba, Father. That relationship Jesus has won for us. A close daddy relationship. If you don't know that yet, ask for some revelation today. How much the father loves you. And we carry this message to a world that is longing 
for father, that is longing for family. Because we can so easily fall into striving, and I think this verse takes that away. It says, just breathe me in, live with me, and go to where I send you, and breathe me out if you like. And our longing should be for him, and as we carry him then into the places where we go, there will be power. I was just reading this morning about Dwight L. Moody, who was greatly used in revival in the 19th century. And he'd been earnestly praying for the power of the Spirit. And one day he had an absolute power encounter with God, and it was on the streets of New York with loads of people walking around him. And he had to find a house where he knew a friend and asked to use a room because he literally couldn't cope with the joy that the Holy Spirit was filling him with. And he stayed for hours. And he actually had to ask God, as, as he said, to stay his hand in case he died on the spot. And after that, he said this. He said, I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths, yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me all the world. I just say long for more. There is more. So Jesus is sending them and he sends us. And he sends us with authority. So their authority is to come from being authorized, being sent, and their power is to come from their encounter with the Holy Spirit. Do you know, we have authority. Tom and Phil said that when we left the campsite where we were on Friday, they suddenly discovered that we had had access to what was known as the member's lounge or the, the caravan owner's lounge because we were in somebody else's caravan that they owned. But we didn't make use of that. And it's possible to have authority and yet not use that authority. So I would encourage us to use the keys that Jesus gives to us, the power and the authority. Do you know, Jesus' power came out of his nights, his early mornings, his times with his father. No one else can do your history with God for you. And I would say, wherever you are at right now, it's time to just start again. It's time for a fresh beginning. What a great day, the Sunday after Easter Sunday to start a new resurrected life with Jesus, to say, I'm going to start again. I'm going to go for God again. There were shut doors. There were fearful hearts. Jesus breaks in to the disciples. He breaks into where you are. Jesus breaks through fear, sadness, loss of hope, and he breaks in to, through to where you are as well. And Jesus breaks out. He gives us a mandate. He says, I'm sending you in this love relationship to carry my presence, to carry my resurrection breakthrough with authority and with power. Thank you, Susan, for that powerful message. If you have some business to do with God on the back of what's been said today, do not let that seed go unwatered. Pray with another believer or get in touch with us and don't let what he is doing fade away. And now it's time to hear about all of the amazing things that are happening in the life of One Church. It's time for our Family News Fall. We hope you have had an amazing Easter break. Our midweek groups are back this week. Whether you are a kid, a young person, a young adult, or over 65, there is something on for you this week. If you have recently joined One Church, then welcome. We are so pleased to have you with us. There is a newcomer's meal coming up for you on Thursday, the 27th of April at 7 p.m. This will be a fantastic opportunity to meet our senior leaders, find out what's going on and how you can get involved. Our encounter nights have been brilliant and we have another one happening on Sunday the 30th of April at 7pm. Come along for a powerful evening of worship, ministry and message and see everything that God is doing.
And finally, if you are aged 5 to 25, there is a weekend away happening in the next few months for you. For children, youth and young adults, get in touch if you would like to find out more. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.